heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your own phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more podcast platforms. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Hello folks, another Sunday come and gone of this NFL season. My co-host is going in the right direction. I am going in a very, very downward spiral. And for those of you who are wondering who my co-host for today is, the kid Big Rat 310 is back with me on the on episode 35 of the YWC Football Talk podcast as his team beat the doors off of the LA Rams and my New England Patriots unfortunately had a late fumble that almost they almost won. They were looking good, but they just couldn't get it done as we're all actually recording right now as the third quarter is about to begin of the Giants-Bucks game. So if you do hear any sudden cuts, it's because of that, where so far... Looking like a pretty interesting contest, but Big Rat, welcome back, my man. I'm happy to be back. And in fact, the last time I was on, it was also the, a Giants game in primetime uh, when they played the Eagles and Daniel Jones had his little stumble yeah. that we that we saw live while we were recording. It was pretty awesome. Well, they're starting with the ball now, so who knows if we'll see that. So now I know whenever the Giants play in primetime, I'll always make sure to get you on. <laughs> it's a good it's a good way to get through watching the Giants in primetime. Uh even even if they are playing solid today. Exactly. But yeah. Exactly, but I'm going to I'm going to let you start off because you're like it's not good cop had bad cop are playing here. It's going to be called happy cop, sad cop. And I'm going to let the happy cop take it from here and say how his Sunday went watching his team play in the NFL, that being the Miami Dolphins beating the LA Rams by I believe 28 to 17. Yeah, it was a good day. I mean, it would have been a better day if, because uh, I mean, for those that I've said this a bunch of the podcast, I do kind of like root for the Pats on the side a little bit this year, but also as a as a apparently an AFC East contender, it also would have been good for us if Buffalo took a loss there. Uh, so definitely, everyone I was with watching the Dolphins game, we were very much interested in the Pats game too. Uh, it was a good day, um, but you know, I mean, it was fun. The team won in a bunch of different phases. You know, all those blowhards all week who said the Dolphins made a mistake because the O-line was so horrible. Aaron Donald is too scary. You can lose the locker room making a decision like this. Well, the special teams had their best game of the year. Not just because Jakeem Grant returned a punt. Matt Hawk was great all day, too. The coverage was good. Uh, the defense had a really good day as well. The defense was playing on fire. They destroyed Goff. Multiple turnovers throughout the game. Like, Rams really only got it together late in the fourth quarter. As Xavier Howard, you can kind of tell, was slogging a little bit. And Robert Woods just running right by him whenever he wanted, especially for that last touchdown by the end. Uh, so, in essence, like, the whole thing about the locker room turning, you know, on Flores for what he did. I mean, there was clearly no evidence of that. And the O-line only allowed four pressures. Aaron Donald did have a sack fumble to start the day, which as a Dolphins fan was fucking miserable. Not just because, you know, Tua got sacked and fumbled, but also I could just see all these jackasses, ah, this is why you should have kept Fitzpatrick in there and all that garbage. Uh, they only allowed four pressures all day. And that's against the Rams D-line that has had a really strong season and has done a, really, a lot of really nice things. So um, the Rams defense actually number one in the NFL in yards per play allowed on defense. They have some other defensive metrics that aren't so great, but they're good on a per-play basis. So I was very happy with the game. Tua did not have a big day, but it, it reminded me a lot of kind of like Ryan Tannehill in the Titans playoff games. It's like it was kind of, especially like that Ravens game would maybe be a good comparison. Like it's just kind of like the flow of the game. They had built such a big lead. You know, the coaches want to be conservative with him anyways. They have double the reason to do that when you're up 28-7 to seven or whatever it was, like really early in the game. So there was no reason to like get – feisty or get testy in any way and as a result like you know i, I mean I, there was some disappointment i guess that it wasn't more flashy but like you know I, I kind of understood they were up so big they kind of scaled down the game plan a bit and then they just kind of let things go as they did and kind of sat on the ball had some moments here and there but overall I was happy with it. It was a good day. It was good to see them get a decisive win against a not-bad team because two of their three wins were against the Jaguars and the Jets, which warrant no respect. 
And their other win was a blowout of the Niners, which at the time looked impressive, but Jimmy G was benched at halftime. Like, he turned the ball over multiple times in the first half. The defense was kind of a mess. Like, the defense had was starting Brian Allen at corner. They didn't have Emmanuel Mosley back. So, I mean, it was a nice win. I don't want to take it away from them. But it was hard to give them too much credit until we saw the Niners kind of whoop on the Niners kind of whoop on the Patriots a little bit. That was different, but they also got starters back for that. So yeah, overall a good day, a happy day. You know, the Dolphins are in a good spot. The team is good enough to win with Tua, even if the offense takes a step back. The defense is getting better by the week. So yeah, good, good, good day all around, no doubt. Um, I didn't watch any of the games. Obviously, I was watching New England versus Buffalo, but from what I gathered from some of the highlights I got to see and just from some overall analysts, it just seemed like you know what. You're right, where you said the whole Ryan Tannehill comparison, where, you know what, the defense was good. They did not just enough, but they did it so where they're not overcomplicating to us. So where it's like, you know what, hey, we're not going to make you do this, 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 and this. It's just, hey, we're going to take it simple, baby steps, baby steps. And you know what, for a rookie quarterback, that's a very good thing, as uh, Brady just missed <laughs> I can tell when Tom. It, sorry to cut off on this. I'm just watching the game right now. I not watching him for so long. I can tell when he's miserable or he's not happy, and he's been showing it since late in the second quarter. Yeah, uh, you can definitely get 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 a vibe of, of maybe some frustration, some limitations. Um, I mean, they're they're just not the same team when Godwin doesn't play. Like, it, it, he really does make that big of a difference. And yes, he's. I mean, no, I'm not trying to resolve Brady. He's been bad. Like, he's just been up and down throughout the day, um, missing guys left and right, etc. Nice to see Ronald Jones is still alive. I thought he was going to be sent to the gulags after his fumble, and I, he got benched for the rest of the first half, but then he came back uh, just now. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. But, um, but, no, with you guys, honestly, and then I was looking ahead of your schedule, like, this Sunday's game is very interesting, not just because it's my uh, an Arizona team, but... It's a very interesting in the sense of it's two teams who we didn't expect a lot out of going into 2020. And also, too, for you college football nerds out there, rematch of the 2018 Orange Bowl. <laughs> Except this time, it's taking place in Arizona, as opposed to last time. Was that Because it was actually in Miami the last time Kyler and Sue shared a field. My, my boss, believe it or not, my boss of all people, who's not an Alabama or Oklahoma fan, but he and his son were like big college football fans, and they actually went and watched Tua and Kyler that day. So, well, that yeah, was, was a fun, fun moment. It was, but um, no, that's the only thing I just wanted to gather from that game too. It's just like how I said, "Hey, Flores kind of took a step back and said, hey, we're going to make it easy for Tua. They're not going to make Tua overcomplicate things.' As Tom's about to go for it on fourth and two at about the Giants' thirty-nine. Let's see, is he going to get it? Takes his time. Just run it, Tom. Oh, and he got it to, uh, I think, Keyshawn Vaughn. Um, now we're going to play Sad Cop. And last week with San Francisco, obviously, it was just a pure ass whooping. And I came on here and I vented for 10 minutes. <laughs> Yesterday was kind of like. Do you remember the Pete Carroll? Uh, obviously, the infamous Pete Carroll uh, incident at the Super Bowl where had Russell throw it and he threw the interception where you just see him go. Like, oh no, and he drops his headset. That was me when Cam did that, and I just kind of dropped to the floor where I was just like, we were so close, yet this just happened. I was just like, for the love of God. But you know what? I do take away some positives yesterday. Like, Jacoby Myers looked good. Damian Harris, if you get into space, our O-line looked good for the first time in a while. And Josh Uche, the rookie out of Michigan. So there were some positives to look ahead. And the only other thing I have to say too is our defense. There's just some pieces that I'm just like, good lord, we we're like we're letting the same thing happen against San Francisco and Buffalo. But at the same time too, with Buffalo, I look at them and I just argue with people. I think if they wanted to really put a, not just a footnote in the AFC, but in general in the league, you go out there and you stomp the Patriots. The fact that they let the Patriots stay around with them proves to me that look. And if you look at Buffalo's upcoming schedule. Seattle it's this week. Seattle, they have a bye, and then they have like still to play Arizona, San Francisco, which now is kind of a bit of a thing. And then they also have Pittsburgh. Yeah. And not to not to mention our games. You know, your game is your game is Week sixteen. Is, oh wow, nice play. Your game is your game is um in Foxborough. Yes. Right? 
yeah, so you still have that, like, advantage. And the Dolphins game isn't in Miami. It'd be in Buffalo. They beat us down here earlier in the season when the team is very different than it is right now. But those are going to be tough games. No, those are going to be no gimmies. And that's week 16 and week 17. So yeah. that'll be interesting. Yeah, so that's with me with Buffalo where right now, and also when I look back at their schedule, it's, okay, you beat so far the Jets twice, which once they didn't even get a field goal on, and the Jets had had them up. You beat Vegas, who Vegas is Vegas is okay. The Rams are very Jekyll and Hyde, and then the Dolphins. But this is before the Dolphins kind of had a like sort of of an identity. They're still trying to figure things out. Yeah, and I could say like I don't know I don't know if I said this on the podcast or not, but if you watched um, for those that didn't watch that Dolphins game very closely, the very first offensive play of the game, Byron Jones hurt his groin, and he left the field. And that's their eighty million dollar cornerback. And I, if you want to, if you want to hear an argument for how the Dolphins have been have won three in a row and why they're playing better, Byron Jones came back for that San Francisco 49ers game, and very clearly it's made a big difference on the defense. That was getting roasted in the first month of the season. The Patriots beat the shit out of the Dolphins' defense. Like the Seahawks tore them up, the Bills tore them up. Josh Allen threw for four hundred yards against us. So Byron Jones left. Noah Igbenogany, their first-round pick at cornerback, who the Dolphins fans thought would play slot. But he's not playing slot, actually. He's the backup boundary cornerback to Byron Jones. And he played that entire Bills game. When Byron Jones went out, Flores did not adjust the scheme. He gave Noah all the responsibility that he was going to give Byron Jones, which is trailing Stephon Diggs around the field. And he got lit up. And Noah Noah got lit up against the, the Seahawks as well. Last week, now that Byron Jones is back... No one doesn't even play. He only played seven snaps on Sunday, only because Byron had to leave the game for a few snaps because he was cramping. So no one doesn't play anymore. He was a, I hate to be he's literally twenty years old. I believe he's actually the youngest player in the NFL. So like, you know, be patient with him and all that. But him being benched for Byron Jones' return has made a big difference in the defense. So to not not to make the tangent too long, but to your point about the Bills, that's the Dolphins team that they put up four hundred thirty yards on and four touchdowns with Josh Allen, like that wasn't their defense like it is now. It's very, very different circumstance. And also, too, I saw this article where McDermott was going on this thing about this is a big win for our city, this is a big win for our club. I'm like, <laughs> you got the monkey off of your back. Of You haven't beaten New England since 2011 at home. And also, too, the one thing I loved was four years ago when they beat us 16 and nothing. They're like, oh, we shut out the Patriots. And I'm like, you shut out a... Jacoby Brissett led New England Patriots, and he had a broken finger, and you got a touchdown and three field goals. Like, congratulations. It was his rookie year. Yeah, yeah, it was his rookie year, too. So, that was just my point as well, where I'm just like, like, even for them to come out and say it's a big win, all Patriots sort of was just going like, okay, guys, like, you yeah. have your big win in November. Like, as a Patriots fan, we're, we're used to big wins in January. So, for Bills, Bills fans, it's like, look at this, don't, like let this one settle. Like, just, you know what, embrace it for the next few days and then move on. Because if you guys go out there and lose to Seattle, like, it's going to be like Cleveland where, remember when they lost to Pittsburgh, 4-2 and two looked like 2-4. and four. And that's another team I want to talk about as well in a minute. Fucking cost I, me money. Um, uh, <laughs> I, yeah, no, the, the Bills, what, what it tells me, I don't, I'm, this doesn't help for you as a Patriots fan, I'm sure. But what it tells me, like, how important that game was to them, how tight they kind of got, you know, if they kick a field goal and they go to overtime, Bills might have fumbled that one away, you know, because the Patriots offense was playing a lot better in the second half. They were kind of picking up some momentum with each successive drive. Cam was playing better. And it's like, if you go to overtime, and this is like this incredibly important game for the Bills and not just some other game, then maybe... You know, maybe maybe the Pats actually might have been able to pull it out. And, of course, if they just scored a touchdown on that drive to begin with. Um, but I can understand why it's sad. I think one thing that I think is the reason why there's obviously positive things from it is that if you guys weren't 2-4, and four, if you were like, if you were 4-2 and two going into that game, but had all the same offensive question marks, and then you played like that, you know, I think you'd be a little more encouraged. You'd be like, okay, sure, like we lost, but... The offense started to kind of click. Cam gets got more comfortable than he was the last few weeks. Like, I think you would have viewed all those things as a good thing, seeing Uche come back and playing. I mean, Uche starting to play more and playing better. But because you were 2-4, and four, and like you said all week, we need this game, we need this game, we need this game, Cam essentially said it himself. It's like there's almost 
no, there's almost no moral victory for you guys to enjoy because of the fact that you just can only take so many losses. And I don't think the Patriots season's over, but it's probably fair to say winning the division is probably going to be tough because you're just too many games behind the Bills right now. Um, so that's why I think, you know. Okay, let's just try this out again. Okay, I think we're back up and, yeah, yeah, we're back up and running. Sorry, guys, about that. Uh, just audio problems uh, we're having. But, no, um, we're Big Rad and I are back up and live now. Um, the only other way I'm going to take away from this game is that, look, there is a light at the end of the tunnel, and that light happens to be at MetLife Stadium next Monday night. So, <laughs> yeah. Always the best thing for an NFL offense. Yes. And also, I'm looking at their schedule coming up, and I'm just like, okay, New York Jets should be a win. All right, so you know what I'm going to do, actually? I am uh, just going to record the conversation that you and I are having, so just, you know what, and then I'll figure out a way to import this, and then we'll go from, I'll go from there. If anything, I can just take the audios from both. Yeah, it's not a bad idea. I've done that before when I was doing stuff with Mark Keem and Phil a few years ago, so makes sense. All right, so anyway, guys, um, we're figuring out a way to make things work. Sorry. Um, out of all the times my garage band decides to stop working on me, it's when I'm recording a podcast. Um, but no, the only big things I look at when, when I say what everyone, I, I got called this yesterday too with me saying, oh, you just hate Buffalo. I'm like, well, yes, that part is true. <laughs> it's true as well as too, when you look at this football team, their run defense is terrible. And uh, oh, uh, Brady missed an open receiver. Um the run defense isn't that good, and the fact, too, that they just kind of let New England creep back into that game, I'm just like, you had a chance to put them down. And even, too, when they um, were up 14-6 uh, to six and we got the touchdown and then we got the two points, I'm like, we can win this game. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Then the only point I wanted to make quickly about their schedule was that we got New York, which should be a win. Baltimore is a very interesting game because we don't know who's going to show, even though I feel like New England, that's the game New England's going to lose. But then after that, it's Texans, Cardinals, Chargers, which depending on what Cardinals team shows up, those are three potential winning games. So if we can win four out of the next five, we're, or not, yeah, if we win, no, no, let's see, the ninth. The ninth, the fifteenth, the twenty second, the 29th, and the sixth. If we can win four out of our next five, we're five and six, and then we could. Part of me is trying to think about you know what this team's going to do something, but at the same time too, I'm just like, don't get your hopes up. It's just me being opt- me trying to be optimistic, but I know this team's not what it used to be. But look, I can look and see some positives in the fact too that hey, Buffalo's got their tough part of the schedule coming up, and New England's got the easy part of their schedule coming up, so. If New England could streak some wins together, who knows what could happen? And he's big guy's probably looking at me right now, being like, "Cause your buddy Bobby did this to me Saturday, saying that this team is bad, and I didn't want to admit it." Which yesterday I found to be true, but at the same time, too, any and the NFL—that's what I love about it. Anything can happen. I don't think they're as bad as people think, though. Like I've been saying this all year. Like, like the team that almost beat the Seahawks, that beat the Raiders, that beat the Dolphins. It's like, I just don't think that team is gone. And you've started to kind of see that team again on Sunday. Like, I mean, I, I'm with you that the Bills, like, have a lot of problems. Their 6-2 and two record is very misleading. And Josh Allen hasn't played that well the last four games. Um, so I'm with you on all of that. And it's just like, I think, like, people take it too far that, like, this team, like, it wasn't surprising. I, I picked. I had the Pats covering yesterday, which they did, even though they didn't win. Um, I just don't think they're as bad as people think. And I and I do agree. Look, you don't want to get your hopes up, so I get that. But here's the path. I think it's very straightforward. I mean, you you play the Jets twice. You you can beat the Bills again. Like I understand they've won a lot. Of, you damn near beat them in 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 Buffalo. So I don't see why that's not possible. Then you have. The I believe you still have the Cardinals and Rams left on the schedule, right? So yeah. try to try to grab one of those. Maybe not both, but you know, Belichick, we just saw Brian Flores absolutely massacre Jared Goff. And this Patriots defense is the one that still I say I said on your podcast last time, the one that held the Chiefs offense to twenty points. Like that these like pass heavy eleven personnel teams, these are the teams that the Patriots defense tends to play well against. Uh so if you can beat the Rams but lose to the Cardinals, right? Let's say you even lose to the Ravens. All the other games that you win, 
If you win the Rams, Jets twice, Bills. And then I believe the other two are Dolphins and Chargers, right? Uh, Texans and Chargers also. Texans, Chargers, and Dolphins. Okay. Bill Belichick has a great track record against rookie quarterbacks. We've seen this throughout his career. Both both the Dolphins and the Chargers are going to be starting rookie quarterbacks when you play them. So there's something there as well. And the Texans have their own problems. I can totally see them going 7-2 and two their last nine games, only losing to the Ravens and to the Cardinals, let's say, right? And I know the Ravens, and look, obviously those games are winnable too. I, I know it's interesting and all that. I just think people are, people are exaggerating, like, how bad they are. Like, yes, they're not who they were, and so many people want to dance on their graves. I, I don't know. Like, we saw them play the Chiefs tough with no quarterback. We saw the first three games of the season. We saw last week. They've really only given you two really bad performances out of six. Like, I just, I don't think they're as bad as people think. And because they lost yesterday, everyone's going to write them off. But I thought it says a lot that kind of like the Seattle game, they came very, very close to knocking off a team that everyone freaking loves right now and is 6-2. and two. Three of your four losses are against the Bills, Chiefs, and Seahawks. Yeah. The, the Seahawks have the second best record in the league. The Chiefs have the third best record in the league. Like, I just think it's, it's gone too far. So I yes, look, it's a long road. It might be tough to go nine and seven. I do think we'll get you in the playoffs this year with the added playoff spot. And I understand it's tough. I understand you don't want to get your hopes up, but you know, playing the Jets is a nice way to start it off and then see what happens from there. If you lose to the Jets, though, I think I think at that point we've already written off winning the division. A loss to the Jets. It's not. It's not that a sixth loss kills you. Like, you can get a six loss and win out, in theory. It's just you can't trust them to win out if they lose to the Jets. That's the issue. Good Lord, no, I can't trust them. That's why, like, next Monday I want to go in and confident being like, yeah, we're going to beat the Jets. I did that with San Francisco, and I proved me wrong. So I'm going in next Monday with, like, that anything can happen mentality. Like, I know it's the Jets, but you know what? You got to, like, you got to pump their tires just, like, just a little bit, just a little bit. Um, But enough about, like, me being salty and in pain. Um, one thing I want to say right now, and people, and also one other point I want to get on me too quickly was that, and someone always uses to make fun of me, even though I will defend it, is that if the pre-COVID Cam was playing in that Kansas City game, I think New England either gets very close or wins. That's the only thing I want to say. Um, the only thing, the next thing I want to mention too is probably the game of the day yesterday with the Ravens and the Steelers. Obviously, guys, we're not going to go over every single game. We're just going to pick a few here and there. But that game, man, that told me two things about two different teams. One is that I think Pittsburgh is now officially legit, legit, not just contenders, but Super Bowl contenders. And we got some questions with this Ravens team. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's hard to ignore. They, you know, it was a bad performance. It was a very bad performance. I mean, not very bad. They just had a lot of that, but they had a lot of bad turnovers. Um I also don't want to get too carried away. I feel like we're connecting, you know, these losses to what happened to the Titans in the playoffs last year when everything's very different. At the end of the day, the Ravens, they comfortably destroy bad teams like no one else in the league. Like, whenever they play any of these bad teams, they're just going to win by 14. Like, they just do. Like, consistently. Like, every single week, it seems. Whether it's the Bengals or the Redskins, it's just like, you never even have to worry about it. It's like it's just like a surefire lock that they're going to play very, very, very well. So as a result, like, I don't want to get too carried away. But, yeah, I mean, there's issues. It'd be, it'd be ignorant to ignore them. Remember, the Chiefs last year lost to the Colts and Texans in back-to-back weeks at home, started the season 7-4. and four, And we all know how that story turned out. So respect this. That's where I was – I remember, too, I think I either said this to you and Phil in the AFC preview or to Matt Beast in Britain on the NFC show, but I remember saying that I could see Baltimore going through some adversity like this this year and still coming out on top. I'm not writing them off. I'm just saying that, look, there are concerns there with this football team. And if you look at their coming schedule, it's at the Colts this Sunday, which I, I will say this about the Colts. They're that team where Phillip Rivers is going to – if you're a Colts fan, is going to piss you off on one play. But the next play, you're kissing his feet. Yeah. Like, we saw that yesterday in the Detroit game. But then after that, they have New England, which could be a potential trap game. But I still think Baltimore wins. Then the Titans. 
And then they flip it around short week. There's the Thanksgiving night, just cherry on top because we put these two games of probably crap in the afternoon, Pittsburgh and Baltimore rematch, but in Pittsburgh this time. So for Baltimore right now, it's, I think they'll get a while. I think at this rate, unless Pittsburgh falls off, because if you look at Pittsburgh's schedule, they got some cupcakes. Yeah. They have some cupcakes. So we'll see how that goes, but. I've already seen some 16 and 0 talk with them <laughs> like that. Like, like Mike Florio was like, can this Pittsburgh Steelers go 16 and 0? It's like, wow. I know. Time flies. I heard, that th- I heard that today too, where it was like, oh, if this is a, I, the one version of that I heard was, oh, if this was the Patriots, he'd be flipping it to, oh, if they're 16 and 0. I got to look up their schedule just to make sure like I get it all right. But like this week at, at Dallas, yeah. first Cincy, at Jacksonville, first Baltimore. First football team at Bills, at Bengals, versus Colts, at Browns. Okay, I'll say the Colts, I think, are maybe the most underrated team in the league right now. Like, they're 5-2. and two. They have a really good point differential. I forget what it is, but it's like the fifth best in the league. Like, it's something really, really high. Like, it's better than the Bucs, I think. Or, like, neck and neck with the Bucs. Uh, they, they've, because they lost to the Jaguars and because Phil has a tendency to throw, like, really bad interceptions, people don't, like particularly take them seriously but they've made they've made some damn good they've had some damn good games they they flat out smacked some teams this year like that that Lions game was dominance like and that's a Lions team that was three and three that started to get some wins that people were starting to buy into a little bit and they just got smacked and the underrated thing about the Colts is they might have the best defensive line in the league like the DeForest Buckner trade has made a massive massive difference like they by most metrics, they just they abuse teams while on the defensive side of the ball, like pretty much every week. So, yeah, I think the Steelers could lose to the Colts. The Ravens could also lose to the Colts, by the way. And I think the Ravens are going to play better on Thanksgiving. I just don't think – like the Ravens I, – I think I saw a stat that the Ravens had 200 more yards than the, than the Steelers did in that game, but they had four turnovers. One of them was a pick six, and a few of those turnovers were in the red zone. They have problems – I, I don't know about you, but I wasn't that interested in Lamar and fantasy this year because it just seemed pretty obvious. Like when you have like that, it's kind of like Cam's 2016, the year after the MVP year. When you have that super dominant season, there's a natural like regression effect, and it's hitting it's hitting Lamar pretty hard right now. I think the lack of other receivers in that offense is starting to matter a little bit more because last year when they were just so insanely dominant. And it really can't be understated. That was one of the best teams in the last 20 years. Like, I know they didn't go far in the playoffs, but they had, like, the third highest point, dif- the fifth highest point differential of all time. Like, they were dominant every single week. And the running game was so insane that just having Hollywood and Mark Andrews was enough. Now, as they start to come back to earth a little bit, Mark Ingram's not giving them the same thing he did last year, and he's banged up. Like, now, when they're in these more tightly contested games, like, people say – you know, can Lamar, like, can Lamar come from behind? I mean, I, I don't know. Like, them and the Steelers were trading scores back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Like, they turned it over four times in the red zone. I don't think – when people say that, what they're saying is can Lamar throw? And in essence, like, they don't mean to say that, but that's kind of what they're saying. Can he throw with the game on the line? I think – I mean, he led the league in touchdown passes last year. So, like, I, I'm not just going to – just because we haven't seen it, doesn't mean it can't happen. And we haven't seen it because they're fucking blowing teams out every single week. Like, like it's not their fault that they're so good that they consistently destroy teams every single week. And look, that Steelers game was a back and forth, coin flip kind of game. I really don't think, I don't think we should put too much stock into like them losing that game. They have problems. Maybe, maybe this year, if they don't have better receiver play from Miles Boykin, or Sneed, maybe we can call it like a fatal flaw, their ability to play from behind. But that doesn't mean like it's structural like to the rest of his career. And I guess that's what gets me hot, you know. No, I get that. I completely get that. It's just I think now a lot of people are gonna want to see, like, for example, like how there was that cryptic tweet from Hollywood Brown that he deleted because he hasn't been that used that much. I think he was targeted two or three times yesterday. And then also do like, for example, like how they no longer have that three headed monster at tight end. Um, because Hayden Hurst obviously got traded to the Falcons. Um, they had uh, one loss. We, you and I called this earlier in the year with them losing Marshall Yand as a retirement, saying that was a big loss. And then now 
the newly paid Ronnie Stanley, same thing too. He uh, went to, he's done for the year, I believe, with a not a high ankle sprain, but some sort of ankle injury that was really bad. Yeah, it looked bad. It looked bad. Yeah, it's just one of those things where now people are going to be questioning them, but at the same time too, I feel like I said this too on this show many times. Look, look at all the past Super Bowl winners. Two years ago with New England, they started off one and two, losing to Detroit on Sunday Night Football. And everyone thought, oh, it's over. And then they went out and they start Miami the next week, and they kind of went on a roll from there. And then even, too, there was the Miracle Miami, the Miracle Miami season where, you know what, they had that one loss and they lost in Pittsburgh. And it was like, oh, what's this team going to do? Still won this division and still won the Super Bowl. Eagles and the underdog mentality. So for all the shit talking we're doing to the Ravens right now, look, it could be actually in the long run, it may benefit them, and it could just fuel that fire that they need to win. Yeah, um, and remember they, they they are probably I could be wrong, but I would guess that they're probably going to go five and one in that division. Like they just match up so well against the Browns. Like they when Baker has Baker's like golf man. Like when he has pressure in his face, like he's just not the same guy. And that's what the Ravens do. They blitz like crazy, and they don't have OBJ anymore. And you know, with the Bengals, like, their offense just couldn't get anything done. Like, Baltimore traditionally dest- – similar to Belichick, they traditionally destroy rookie quarterbacks with the exception of Kyler Murray last year who played pretty well against them, um, at least ever since Harbaugh's there. Uh, so, you know, if they beat the Browns, beat the Bengals, and get their revenge on Pittsburgh on Thanksgiving, that, that, that's another three wins. Like, that already has them at 8-2. and two. Like, you know, like, they can, they, can, they can rebound. But I do agree with you it's adversity, and we, we'll see how they respond to it. Exactly. Um, the only other games I looked at quickly yesterday is I love everyone going, Patrick Mahomes, five touchdown day. I'm like, it's against the Jets. Let's just simmer down. Yeah, it doesn't count. <laughs> Nothing yeah. against the it's Jets. Like, it's a cute little asterisk. Um, the next one I will talk about is probably the upset of the day, the Bengals going in and taking care of the uh, Tennessee Titans. Like, yeah. I know you and I know a Titans fan in common. That was, I don't think he was exactly happy yesterday, but this Titans team, they're only the, like I, I was telling this to people like where Pittsburgh, they have this great defense. Their offense at Ben is just going to do just enough to, you know what, get those wins. Tennessee's got a problem where their defense is very, very questionable. That's why they had to go out and get Desmond King today, which I'm surprised they only got a 6-4. And their offense, if there's games where that offense doesn't look good, it's just, it's not good all around. So Tennessee's another wait-and-see kind of team, but if yeah. they keep playing the way they're play, like playing the last few weeks, like against Pittsburgh and against, because um, only besides Buffalo, they haven't really had that many good games this year. Like yeah. I said before, all their uh, games were one score. Like look at the look at the Houston game two weeks ago. They had to go to overtime. Their lack of a pass rush is starting. Greg Rosenthal tweeted it, and I thought it was very on point. Their lack of a pass rush might kind of start to be a little bit of a fatal flaw. Like Jadavian Clowney. He's never had big sack numbers in his career, but Jadavian Clowney will always get you a lot of hurries, a lot of pressures, a lot of quarterback hits. Even if he doesn't always finish, he's still affecting the passing game a lot. This is why teams pay so much money for him, even though he doesn't get, he'll never get you a 20-sack season. But he's not even doing that this year. His pressure numbers are down. His hurry numbers are down. His QB hit numers are down. They, they kind of need him, like, really badly because their lack of a pass rush you know, the Texans drop 35 on them. These teams score on them every single week, even early in the year. Like, the Jaguars put 30 on them. The Vikings put 31 on them. Like, everyone scores on the Titans, with the exception of the Bills in that Tuesday night game. And it's hard to win that way. And so, yeah, well, the Desmond, I like the Desmond King trade a lot. We'll see how it affects things. And if that and their pass rush gets better, they'll be okay. But right now, it's definitely... It's definitely an issue, and I think they would even admit probably a little disappointing for a team that you know. I don't think they want to go nine and seven again to the wild card round again. That's not that was. You don't want to repeat. I mean, sure they would like to get to the conference championship game again, but you don't want to repeat from last year. You want to build from last year. They expect to win this division, and now with that loss and with the Colts kind of surging, it's interesting. Colts and Titans still play each other twice, by the way. So that'll be a lot of fun. Now that the Texans are kind of out of it. Like, that'll be a really intriguing race for the title because I think that Titans loss to the Bengals just made it interesting. So, that'll be interesting. And, and I think two of, those, uh, two of those games are in the next couple weeks because I know one of them is next Thursday night. Next Thursday night, yeah. And the other, yeah. the other one's like two or three weeks later. Yeah. Yeah, so it's going to be very interesting. I, I'd love for them to see that be like a week 17 because I feel like that would decide the division. But 
you know what? We're getting some good football. Um, and the same thing, too, we had, I'm going to say, not another upset, but, like, something I didn't – this is going to be a weird stat. The Green Bay Packers are 0-7 on daylight savings time. <laughs> like, the day when the clocks go back. It's, like, 0-7. It's, like, just some bizarre stat like that. Like, the only thing I have to say about yesterday is, look, Mike Zimmer recognized immediately, and also, too, I'll give credit to Gary Kubiak, the Packers' run defense, and they're – not just the run defense, their linebacking core is – horrendous right now like they cannot tackle like Dalvin Cook looked like the Florida State Dalvin Cook that I know you probably don't have exactly fond memories of watching but that's no no offense but I'm just saying that's a Dalvin Cook we saw yesterday yeah Dalvin for the for I I don't think I've ever said this in your pod before uh, Dalvin Cook is he didn't just like destroy the Miami Hurricanes for years with the Seminoles he was known as the Miami killer uh Dalvin Cook also actually went to high school in the same football conference as my high school and he destroyed my high school. So he's so like a uh, funny story uh, two years ago after the miracle in Miami game, sorry to bring it up. Uh, the, Dolphins, the Dolphins were seven and yeah, you guys won the Super Bowl that year. So whatever the, the Dolphins were seven and six and the next week they played the Vikings and it was kind of like their biggest game of the year. It's like, okay, you saved your season with the Miami miracle. You got to beat the Vikings. If you want to fight for the wild card spot in the playoffs and Dalvin cook, ran for 200 yards and three touchdowns against us. And one of my friends told me, man, that guy's literally been crushing our dreams since we were in high school. And I'm like, yeah, he literally has. From high school to college to the NFL, he's, he seems to always ruin things for us pretty consistently. So, yeah, Dalvin, Dalvin has very much been a personal nightmare. By the way, I had the Vikings winning that game, not just, not just having them cover. I picked them to win outright. I just thought they were coming off a bye week. They really needed that game. Like, they were desperate to win that game. And I think a well-coached team off a bye and a must-win game, those are the coaches you trust. Like, it's kind of why I trusted Belichick to cover the spread. A well-coached team in a must-win game, division game, trust them to cover. So I, I thought for sure the Vikings were going to cover. And then, yeah, I thought they had a chance to, to win a game. I picked them to win because their defense is so bad. Everyone, in my opinion – has been overrating this Bucks team a little bit because they destroyed the Packers in a game that everybody watched. It was a borderline island game, kind of on national. It wasn't in prime time, but for those that don't remember, it was a 4 p.m. game. There were only two 4 p.m. games that day. The other one was the Dolphins and the Jets, which no one watched. So everyone was watching them destroy the Packers, and everyone was like, oh, my God, this team is so awesome. And look, they're a very good team, but I thought that game kind of inflated them a little bit because the Packers' defense is awful. God awful. One of the worst in the league. And the Vikings with Dalvin Cook took advantage of that. Their their front seven's a mess. It's worse than the Patriots. And this has kind of been a Mike Pettin thing. People have pointed this out. Like throughout his whole career, like he tends to have these long stretches where the run defense isn't good, which was also the case with the Jets. Some Jets fans listening may remember this way back in the day. So I, I don't I don't know how it gets fixed. Like I just unless they do some personnel stuff, I don't know. I don't know how you fix that. So, we'll see. Yeah, we'll, we'll see, too. Because, like, with Green Bay as well, like, I was fully anticipating them getting their doors blown off against San Francisco this coming Thursday. But now with some, what I'm going to say are very potentially season-ending injuries, not only for the fan, not for fantasy, for season for the player, but season for the team with Garoppolo and Kittle going out. Like, those are almost death sentences for the Niners, considering – Look, I know it's Jekyll and Hyde for the Rams, but if, unless, unless Nick Mullins, for some reason, becomes God, I think it's Seahawks or Cardinals winning the West. Yeah, I think that was kind of the, the nail in the coffin for the Niners. It's a shame. That, that, that beating that they gave the Patriots is going to look worse by the end of the season because people aren't going to remember that you know they were fully healthy when they – well, not fully healthy, but they had Jimmy G. They had Kittle. They had Debo when they kicked the Patriots' ass. And now they're going to yeah. be without any of those three for the next few weeks. They're probably going to lose some games, and people are going to forget that at one point they were one of the better teams in the league. I agree with you, Seahawks or Cardinals. One thing to watch, kind of interesting side note, Sean McVay is like 4-2 and two against the Seahawks, and one of the losses was a loss on Thursday Night Football in Seattle last year where the Rams lost by a point, and Greg Zerline missed a 46-yard field goal to win the game. Literally, like it was like literally at the end of the fourth quarter. It's not like he missed it earlier in the game. So Sean McVay always like kind of kicks the Seahawks ass and they don't get pressure. And when you don't get pressure and Jared Goff can sit back and go through his reads and do his thing, like the Rams are a very different offense. So 
not that I trust the Rams to win that division. I would just point that out as something to watch if they beat the Seahawks twice this year, which I think could happen. That could maybe make it harder for the Seahawks, even though they have a great record right now. So, but yeah, I'm with you. It's pretty much Seahawks or Arizona. Um, I actually have a fun story about that game. I didn't watch it like all of it live because I was actually at um, I watched it on my phone for a bit. I was at uh, Post Malone that night when that uh, game happened. Season. This is back in the day of you know concerts and fun. <laughs> In a galaxy far, far away. In the galaxy, yes, literally in a galaxy far, far away, where I watched um, on my phone, um, Amazon, like through the Amazon Prime stuff, because that's how they have some of the games that go through there. And I remember just watching that one in between, I think, I forget who was his opener, but between the opener and post coming out, I remember just tuning into that game and then hearing about, yeah, the, the Moth 47 yarder. But that was also the game, I believe, where Wilson and Lockett connected for like an unbelievable touch, or Lockett had just the tip yes. toe to get inbound. Yeah, that was one of the best catches of the year. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, the only other things I got, I'm, I'm just looking at yesterday, what I got to say is, you know, earlier I, oh, um, before I, I was about to talk Saints, uh, Bears, I got, because we got a lot, I got a lot to talk about with that one. But sure. with the chart, with the Chargers Broncos, I have a new stat for you. Mm-hmm. So the Chargers have lost 49 games since 2015. <laughs> How many of those do you think are one score losses or one possession score? loss? Okay, uh, I know it's I, – I think it's 14 of the past two years. So, since 2015, they've lost 49, you said? Yeah. I'm going to say 29. 38. <laughs> 38, one possession loss. And that's different coaching staffs, too. It's not – and different quarterbacks. Like, because Phil, Phil's not here this year. Oh, man. That's just... No. That's through the... I believe... Who was the, the coach before? He was in Arizona as the OC, and then he coached LA. Yeah, Mike McCoy. Mike McCoy, that's it. Because, um, yeah, and then I think he was brought back in under Anthony Lynn to be the OC, and then he was fired last year, and then Shane Sykin's been there ever... Shane Sykin's kind of taken over the play yeah. calling ever since. I think it was McCoy play calling, then Ken Wisenhunt play calling, and then Shane Steichen. That's what it was. It was Wisenhunt, then Shane Steichen, and then Pat Hamilton, I know, is the quarterback's coach right now, former D.C. Uh, defenders head coach. Um, that's just one thing I, all I had to say about that game was, like, look. And also, too, week 13, 425, Falcons versus Chargers. That's, that's going to be a battle of who can blow the lead first. And, I mean, that's just – it's just because, like, Anthony Lynn just seems like an insanely nice man, like, in all the interviews he gives. And, like, I always – it's always heart-wrenching for me when I watch – when you watch these Chargers games and you see him on the sideline with that look on his face, like, late in the fourth quarter, like, oh, no, we did it again. <laughs> and I'm just like – and I'm just – I feel so terrible every single time they go – they pan to him on the camera. But this is tough because – I don't know, man – is it systemic? Like, because it happened, change the coach, it still happens. I mean, change the quarterback. It's to, remember, everyone blamed Phillip Rivers. Everyone said Rivers is too turnover prone late in games, and that's what invites these close games. That's what people said. And you, well, now you have a rookie quarterback and it keeps happening. So just like, how does this get fixed? Like, I don't know. That was, that was pathetic. I'm- like that was that was maybe their worst loss this year. Like Badgley missing the field goal was not as bad as this. This was twenty four to three. Like a DPI in the end zone at the buzzer. Like just just ridiculous. Yeah. Um. Don't like even too. I was always saying people always go, oh, the Chargers should have won a Super Bowl back in like two thousand five, two thousand six when they had a great team. I'm like, yeah, but there was one team the Chargers could not beat. That's New England Patriots. Like, I remember that the 2006 divisional round was this was the year LA was like hot shit. They were the best team. I think Patriots were the three or the four that year. Going to San Diego and just oh damn, another interception for Jones. Yeah, I just did something very, 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 very bad. Yeah, yeah, I know. I was just, I think I'm just behind, but like, yeah, he's like trailing and stuff. I don't know why you just don't go down and take the sack. Or, or throw it away. Like, why, why this? Oof. Yeah, like. He was asking for yeah. it. Yeah, pretty much. Um, 
The next game is one. So that's all I have to say pretty much about that. Pardon me? I said he might be touched down. I don't know. Because he gained a few yards after mm-hmm. the catch. But yeah. It's still an interception. Just maybe they take away some yards in the return. Yeah, exactly. Um, the next game I'll talk about is just the Bears and the Saints. Um, besides one of the dumbest incidents, not even plays, incidents to happen this year. I don't, the only thing I got to say quickly, too, about the uh, Chargers-Broncos game is I think that Lynn's going to probably get fired at the end of the year. Probably. It seems that way. It's just going to be on that. Yeah. It seems that way. Um, the only thing I would say quickly is, though, do not make Shane Sykin your head coach. I think he's better off being an OC. Yeah. Um, and also to Denver, I think even though he's looked good in moments, I think if they want to be serious and improve their offense, you've got to get an offensive-minded head coach in there. I think for as good as – not even good. For as respected as Dick Vangio is, he's a good defensive coach. I don't think he's a good head coach. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's – some people are just better suited in that role. Like, that's kind of why I was talking to Danny, I think, about this on Twitter the other day. That's why I don't like all this hype for Todd Bowles. Like, and look, maybe when you're not head coach of the Jets, life is just easier. Certainly it was easier for Adam Gase. Um, maybe things are better. But what if he's just a great defensive coordinator, but he's just not suited to be a head coach? Like, what's wrong with that? Like, that's – like – when these guys like, I, and I, I believe in giving fired head coaches second chances. Most head coaches in the NFL win a Super Bowl on their second team, not their first. So I, I'm totally okay with that. But some guys are also just better suited in certain roles. That doesn't mean they're less smart or anything. It's just a different skill set. Maybe Todd Bowles is just better suited to call defensive plays and not have to worry about managing a game and managing a whole roster. Maybe Vic Fangio is the same way. So. We'll see. Even to Bruce Arians was saying, like, apparently he's like, oh, I want both my guys to get head coaching jobs. I'm like, Byron Leftwich also is not an NFL head coach. And even to, like, for all the praise he's getting as an OC, I'm like, he just got handed the keys to a Ferrari. I'm like, when you have those weapons, you're going to be a good offensive coordinator. Like, I'm not hating on Tampa or anything, and it's not, like, jealousy thing. I'm just saying, like, look, Brady's going to make him look good. Like, we kind of saw it with McDaniels because McDaniels was making some very, very interesting play calls yesterday, like this season. Um, but back on track to the Bears thing, for everyone saying that it's going to be, oh, t- Seattle, Tampa for their, uh, the NFC Championship, I'm like, man, New Orleans, I think, is right in that conversation. I was going to say, and, I mean, New Orleans beat the Bears. The Bucks couldn't beat the Bears. So that's something to monitor. And, yeah, I mean, I don't – I think New Orleans – I don't know why. Like, people are, like, mad at them because they're, like, mad at Drew Brees for, like, having a weak arm nowadays and all this and that. They're 5-2, they're and two, having essentially not had Michael Thomas the entire season, having not had Manny Sanders the last two weeks. And it's like no one cares. Like, look, I'm, I, we'll, we'll see if MT comes back, but, like, I just think they should get a little bit more credit than they're getting, personally. Um, like, they have consistency – they know that division very well. They have a lot of continuity. Everyone kind of knows their role. Like right now, the Bucs are about to bring in AB, which could be great. I'm not denying that. It has risks. It has on-field risks too, like just kind of disturbing the chemistry they got going on. So we'll see. I wouldn't rule the Bucs. I wouldn't rule the, the Saints out just yet, not by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, Lord, if the Saints win this weekend, they play the Bucs on Sunday Night Football. I mean, yeah. <sighs> It'll be really hard for the Bucks to win the division if that happens. Not saying it will happen, but it will be very, very hard. I was thinking this um, today. I think this game this coming Sunday is more of a must-win for Tampa than it is New Orleans because oh. New Orleans won the first game. Absolutely. Absolutely. Tampa Bay, if Tampa Bay gets swept by the Saints, like it's going to be impossible to catch up to the Saints because the Saints – not impossible, but borderline impossible because – who else is going to beat the Saints in the division? Like, unless the Panthers can beat them, I guess, in Carolina, it's going to be hard to catch up when you have two division losses and if the Saints go undefeated in the division. So, yeah, they need it. Do they, yeah, the, the, the Bucs need it more than them. And also do with the Bucs for Super Bowl aspirations. Um, week, the same, um, the week of Thanksgiving, week, I believe, week 12. Mm-hmm. Um, a little team called the Kansas City Chiefs roll into Tampa, and if the Bucks look the way they did tonight against uh, the Giants, if they look this way against the Chiefs, 
Like that's my measuring stick for if the Bucs are a Super Bowl contender because that could be a potential Super Bowl matchup. And I know everyone loves to see Brady and Mahomes in the Super Bowl, but like, like I said before, if the Bucs lose to the Chiefs or look bad against Kansas City in a few weeks, that's going to go a long way for their Super Bowl aspirations. Just in the sense of no one's going to think they can win if, like, look, if you play them in the regular season, they get killed. Yeah, and I think, um, I think furthermore, with the with the Bucks, you have to see how Brady holds up in December because you saw this firsthand as a Patriots fan last year. Part of the reason the team started to crumble, I mean, a big part of it was the defense got worse, and that obviously they were counting on. They needed the defense to be like eighty-five Bears level to win all those games. Um, the defense got worse. There were some injuries that hurt, but Brady's performance also started to drop a little bit in the month of December last year. You know, like these older quarterbacks, like he's up for these older quarterbacks as the elements pick up as he takes more hits too. Cause that's the thing. Like he's in his forties. Like this, it's not specific to him. This also happens to Drew Brees, by the way, like Drew Brees in the playoffs the last few years, hasn't really been the same guy. So that's what we need to see to see if he holds up physically. And like Peyton Manning in 20, people think Peyton Manning started to collapse in 2015. He actually didn't. He actually started to collapse in December of 2014, the year before. He started out the year great, and then the last few weeks of the season, he wasn't holding up physically as well as he had in the past. So that's going to be a key to their to their fate. Because as great as their defense is, I just, I mean, I fully believe this in the NFL this year. Like, even the best defenses can just give up 30 points to the Chiefs. Like, it's just, or, or any of these teams. It's, it's a past league. Like, you have to, if your defense holds them to 25, you got to call that a good day, especially against playoff teams. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how the Bucks, how the Bucks schedule lines up. And not to mention as they finish this game, but also other games moving forward. Exactly, because this game tonight, like, even to, I heard on a, that's actually a very, the podcast I've talked about before on the show, it's from Barcelona Sports, it's called The Dime Package, it's two of their female um, uh, employees who do the podcast, and they were saying about this game tonight, they were, everyone thought, the Bucs were just going to break the, beat the doors off the Giants. And I was going, I was just saying, I'm like the same thing as you where I think the Giants cover the spread, but still lose. But as of now, it's nine minutes and 14 seconds left in the fourth quarter and the Giants are up two. So if the Giants win this game, like they're still in the conversation in their division. And even if they don't, which is, which just shows how bad the NFC East is, of course. But it's like, even if the Bucks escape with a win, I think we have to add to our portfolio on the Bucks. You needed to escape with a win against the one and six Giants? Like, if you're, I mean, the, the Chiefs wouldn't do this. The Chiefs would, they'd be up by two touchdowns right now. Seahawks, Seahawks probably as well. So if you want to be in that class, you know, it's important to, to show, even in the games you win, like style points, you know, if you want us to evaluate you moving forward. I understand all the wins count the same. A win's a win. I don't disagree with any of that. But, you know, if you're struggling to put away a very bad team, it does make us think less of you a little bit. When the competition level raises, how are you going to play? Like, it's easy to beat up on two of the three worst defenses in the league, like you have the last two weeks. Can you do it, can you do it against, you know, a top defense? And this, this obviously is not a top defense, but it's a solid defense. Better defense than people think. So, yeah, well, well, for sure. And the only other thing, I, I, one game uh, we forgot to mention, uh, there's two actually that I think I'll pop my head right now because if I forgot one, I'm sorry. It's just there's a lot of games, obviously. Um, Las Vegas, Cleveland, um, I honestly think Baker Mayfield is just not. Yeah. It's just, it's not there. He's, he's got a, the problem is he's got a ceiling and like, like, he looks very Jared Goff, Kirk Cousins right now, where if there's no pass rush and he has all day to throw, yeah, he can throw five touchdowns against the Bengals. But, you know, getting his face a bit, he's not the same guy. And it's his third year in the league, you know? Like, the standards should kind of be raised a little bit. Like, I think, you never know. Maybe there's maybe there's more that can happen, you know, in the coming weeks. But and look, Kirk Cousins, like for all his limitations, you know, you could still win a lot of games with the Kirk Cousins 
Um, but it does it does make me wonder about his long term viability. And like, if you're the Chiefs, like, what do you do? Like, are you happy with that? Are you satisfied with that level? Because it is better than any other quarterback you've had like over the last twenty years. But is it good enough to win a Super Bowl? And the answer is probably no, as of now. Yeah, exactly. And like, even to Vegas is that team right now where like. As the Buccaneers and Mike Evans just scores a touchdown, um, Vegas is another one of those teams where I feel like they're going to be in the hunt, but I feel like they're just going to be on the outside looking in. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, too, Cleveland, it's just like you have to pick up on. Oh, I don't know. There's um, what was I going to say? Baker's option. They either have to pay him for the next year, like next few years, or they just cut their losses and let them go. Which you know what? If you miss the playoffs, I think it's cut them and let them go. With Baker? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they might do that Trubisky thing where the Trubisky thing where, like, he's not cut, but they don't pick up his fifth-year option and they bring in someone else to compete with him and all that, which is just going to make things awkward and unnecessary for the season, for the rest of the year. Um, there's still a lot of season left, you know? Um, he just seems kind of like a Goldilocks quarterback. It's like... The offensive line has to be great. The run game has to be great. The receivers have to be very good for him to thrive. And that's just that's just not realistic in today's NFL. Unless you're the Bucks, who have all that right now. Um, but it's just not realistic that you're going to get all three. And it's it that's a lot to ask for of a roster. You're essentially telling your starting roster every year, never get hurt. And like, it's just not realistic. So, yeah. I, I, I mean, if I had to pick, I would probably say – let him go. But they might get emotional. They might think they might give him another chance. They might think, oh, well, look at all the other quarterbacks we've had here. Like, this is the best we got. We'll see. We, we should, we should, it's a wait and see with Cleveland, honestly. And the only other game left to talk about really is Sunday Night Football, where I barely paid attention to this game. Like, Ben DiNucci threw, and I think had more yards thrown than Carson Wentz, which I had Bobby here on Saturday, and he was saying basically, like, oh, if Philly loses this game, you can have me back on here, and I'm going to fucking just lay into Howie Roseman and Doug Peterson. But this is another win, like, with the Bucks tonight, where the Bucks should handle the Cowboys. Like, the, the Cowboys. The Bucks should have handled the Giants. The, Cow- the Eagles essentially should have beat the Cowboys. I know they covered their impossible spread, but for a while there it was, um, who in God's green earth? My friend actually messaged me this last night. He said, "How on God's green earth were the Eagles an eleven and a half point favorite over the Cowboys?" Yeah, and they they got lucky with that touchdown that they shouldn't have gotten, you know, towards the end of the game. So they here's the thing with the Eagles. Like my thing is, they they look bad. Like obviously they just do. All their wins are against the NFC East and the Niners with Nick Mullins, and. They had to fight to get. They had to fight to get that Giants win. They had to fight for most of the game to get this Cowboys win. Uh, my thing is Dallas Goddard being back, and them still be. And Jason Peters was also back, and them still being bad is definitely. And Jalen Rager too. That's definitely concerning. What happens when Miles Sanders comes back? You know, like he'll be back in two weeks after their bye week. I think for them, because their division is so bad, just pick up the wins where you can. It's okay if you look bad for now even though it does not say a lot about their ability to compete in the playoffs, just hope you're playing better by the end of the season. Hope that all these wins that you eke out now can kind of help you down the stretch of the season. So that's what I would say. Yeah, exactly. No, exactly. Because, like, the Eagles, it's like a wait and see now because, like, I think after the bye, their next game is against the Giants. So we'll see how they do in that game. They still have – to play the Cowboys, they still have to play. Like, there's all these teams they still have to play, so we'll see how they go. But it's—I honestly don't know what to make of the Eagles. Like, they're that team where it's like one week it's like, hey, they may, like you said, they're—they're they're gonna look bad. But two, they barely beat the Niners because of Nick Mullins. They beat the Giants because they had to fight for it, and luckily the Giants had like plays like they have an Ingram drop and the, um. Daniel Jones just – I know I think they got a touchdown on that drive, but, like, that run. Like, imagine if he doesn't get that run and that doesn't get turned into a meme. Um, Philly's just a very interesting team. And then Dallas, too. 
I don't say this often, but I honestly, and I'm trying to think this, I think you got to get rid of Mike McCarthy if you guys finish, like, horrible, horribly. You have to get rid of him. And also, too, I'm trying to preach down to the squire. You need a legitimate football guy to run your day-to-day ops as general manager. I honestly, for and it won't happen because Jerry Jones is the biggest fucking ego in the league. You can't let your ownership be your management. You can't in an NFL team. If you want to win, you have to get in there because Jerry's going to keep his guys. Like, why do you think Romo was quarterback for so long? Why do you think Jason Garrett was head coach for so long? Like, if I'm Dak for next year and they're not going to offer him a long-term extension, I think Dak, there's a good chance Dak may be in a different uniform come 2021. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you on the one-and-done thing with McCarthy. And I, know, and I know it seems harsh, and I usually never, like, think this way. Um, but it's just like, I don't know. Like, the team is just lifeless. And I know Dak got hurt. They were losing games when Dak was healthy. For one, for two, there's just like structural problems. You got guys in the locker room like leaking to the media that they're upset with the play calling. Like it just seems like there's a lot of like really bad vibes going on right now. I'm never a one and done kind of guy. I'm usually always a, especially for a new head coach, you need to give them more time. You need to let them evaluate their program. You need to let them build the roster the way they want to build it. You need to let them do all these things. But this just seems like one of those edge cases where it's like, I don't know, like there's just a lot of bad stuff going around with this team where it's kind of like, eh, maybe this is different. So I'm with you and I'm the Jerry Jones thing. Yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty straightforward. It, you know, it, it literally is. Um, I think that wraps it up for today. Um, I got to say, man, it's always fun talking football to you whenever I want. I got to get an episode sometime if it can work out with, like, you, Bobby, and Danny, like, the four of us <laughs> in here. So I feel like that would be just the best. We could talk about Nick Foles. Did Bobby yeah. say anything about Nick Foles? Did he like Nick he Foles? He did. Okay. I told him it off camera. I said someone said it, and right away, as soon as I, as soon as he heard it, he knew exactly who had said the whole uh, Nick Foles stuff. And then he said, I don't know exactly where it is in the episode, but he did mention something briefly about he did name drop you just because he knows about the whole uh, Nick, like the whole, obviously, your hatred towards Nick Foles. And he said about the Twitter combo stuff, so that's how you guys get into it. Um, the only thing I'm looking at this game right now, too, and also I want to apologize for everyone in advance because they keep showing ads for next Monday night's game. Patriots <laughs> at Jets. I'm just like... Going into the year, I'm like, okay, I get why this is Monday Night Football, but right now I'm just like, I was looking at the Monday Night Football schedule actually too, to be honest. Like going forward, it does not look that good. Like after Patriots Jets, it's a Vikings Bears, and then Rams Rams Bucks, and then Seahawks Eagles. So yeah, the good the better games are on Sunday night uh, down the stretch. yeah. Even even Patriots Bills, which at the time when the schedule was released, was supposed to be such a landmark game, and now it's kind of like, eh, we'll see. Uh, by the way, I just want to get my shots in on Bobby because I don't know. Sure, he didn't have the courage to say this on the podcast. Um, Bobby and oh, Dan- he did. Bobby and Dante taunted me for a long time about Tannehill. For those that don't know, I. We, the fight was that I've always thought Ryan Tannehill was better than Nick Foles. And I said it even after Nick Foles won the Super Bowl. And they were, like, just not – absolutely not having it. They were like, what's wrong with you? Nick Foles has won a Super Bowl. That, my friends, is the exact problem with NFL quarterback analysis across the league. Because he won the Super Bowl, he must be better than Tannehill. It was dumb then. It is dumb now. And I love rubbing that in their face. So, that's all. <laughs> Well, anyway, guys, if we're ending on that note, I have nothing else to say. I'm letting Big Rat go out on his high horse. Why? Because he's one of the best co-hosts that comes on this show. Thank you once again. Because, man, so you and I, we talk all, like uh, we talk sometimes on Twitter. But, like, man, talking football like this is just always makes the day better and makes analyzing the games better. So, for that, my friend, thank you very much. Thank you. It was fun, like it always is. It was a nice back and forth. And thanks. It was a great time. Happy to be on. No problem, guys. Well, anyway, guys, you guys have a good night. Um, if you're listening to this prior to the uh, 3rd of November, which we're recording on the 2nd, but if you haven't yet done, I'm not American, but if you haven't, so I'm just going to say this, go vote. I'm not big into politics, but you know what? I just I just got to use my – I'm using my platform to 
make sure people get their vote out. That's all. Yeah, definitely. No matter what your political leaning is, uh, vote. Everyone should vote. So, yeah, I'll leave it at that. Okay. Well, anyway, guys, we'll see you guys for week nine of the NFL season. But for now, good night, everyone. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast. Heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Crier Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast, NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network.